At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. So there's a reason why I started Blood Origins. And that reason is simple. Is that I wanted to convey the truth about hunting. It brings awareness to to non-hunters that it's it's more than just killing animals. How do I start it? Brittany. My name. My name. Is, <laughs> Does my hair look okay? It's fantastic. My name is Mike Axelrod. Start again. Yeah, I hated it too. <laughs> Braxton, you said something in the car to me. You said that you were living on borrowed time. Hmm. There's a perception around who hunters are, what we're supposed to be, and a a feminist that works for a non-profit that is a hunter that has only eaten wild game for the last 20 years is likely not the thing that people think about when it comes to a hunter. All right, folks. Amazingly enough, I think, what, Alaska, what episode number are we on? I mean, we're, we're over 200, right? Oh, yeah, we're... Uh coming up on 250 i believe this roundup will be two um uh roundup 65 number 244 244 episodes in and myself and our uh tech savvy show producer just spent about 35 minutes trying to figure out how to record a podcast <laughs> everything everything that could have gone then we're like fighting against each other our, our our system put out a new dashboard, which I'm sure like every other update at some time will be really cool. But right now, I'm so non-technological that I don't know how to do it. And I got to relearn how to do it with this new dashboard system. And it is kicking my ass in a fierce way. Anyway, here we are on, for the roundup. Um, you know how there's shortages um, of things across the country that we keep hearing about baby formula and that stuff. Yep. Is there a shortage of barbers in Wasilla, Alaska is my question right now. Do we need to get Biden on that? No, I'm actually, I'm going to, I got, I got to cut my hair, uh, uh today. <laughs> um, I, cause I'm going to Indiana for work actually. Um, but tonight my, my plane leaves at 2am tonight. Oh, wow. Well, thanks for, jumping on and doing a roundup here with us and uh you may if you're gonna go in front of people that are paying you for something maybe maybe not at least like run a brush through it or something maybe <laughs> all right real quick let's hit uh a few admin things again it's still uh the July supporters drive is still happening. Go on, become a supporter of Blood Origins for as little as $3 a month. You can be entered to win. Uh, every month you're entered to win prizes, right? I don't think some people understand how our system works. Um, it is a no purchase necessary sweepstakes to stay illegal, but you to stay legal. 
but you, uh, if you become a member of our supporters, we have some phenomenal organizations and corporations and outfitters and hunting gear and coffee and clothes and leather goods, all kinds of these people that want to show their appreciation to you for supporting Blood Origins, give us stuff to give to you every month. Um, so all you got to do is go to bloodorigins.org, click on the donate button, become a monthly reoccurring supporter. And uh, this month, man, two different elk hunts at a private ranch in Colorado. It's hard to beat, right? It really is. You know, uh, the quality of the for for three to five dollars a month, the quality of the of the uh, prizes is actually kind of unheard of. You know, um, like you know, uh, let's. I mean, let's go over some historical ones. You know. Um, some of the cooler ones. I know you guys have done hog hunts. Um, one of the hunts was in Spain. Yeah, we did a Spain hunt. We've done an Australia hunt. We did a African safari. Not to mention also like all those things maybe sound people. Here's the other thing. There's less than a thousand people in the supporters group. So your odds, it's not like the Powerball right? Like you have very good odds of winning something monthly when we're drawing, sometimes we're drawing 12 prizes a month. Um, right. But, uh, and then, and then a lot of other, you know, not hunt great things, um, subscriptions to apps. We, we have a great, uh, several different great coffee companies supporting us. You just get some coffee shipped to your house, you know, and it, we really don't have any monthly prizes that are less that are worth less than what you're going to spend in an entire year of, of getting. And the, the other thing about it is every month there's stuff that everybody gets, right? A coupon code, a right. discount code, a free membership to something every month, everyone in the supporters group gets something, um, let alone the actual, randomized selections of rewards that are given to uh to folks so yeah anyway give us a shot plus this month we've added two i i really i don't want to downplay it because they're incredibly cool hunts um but i also feel like we're if we don't there it, it's a there are two cow elk hunts at a private trinchera ranch in colorado look up trinchera or go to the website and look at the hunts it's an incredible place incredible country be taken care of from the time you get there um and uh for three for a three dollar donation a month right you can give more robbie always gets mad when i say the three dollars because he thinks that you know and i i know some of you go in there and give us five give us ten it'll it'll happen we're trying to do some good things here um and uh Check it out. Give us a shot on that. We're, if, if you think we're doing good things and you enjoy it, um, you could give us three bucks a month. That would be phenomenal. Just go to bloodorigins.org, click on the donate button, and become a uh, a monthly supporter. You ready for me to blow your doors off with a text message, Alaska? <laughs> Let's do it. So, first of all, I know there's got to be some folks out there who are like, would you guys please stop talking about Sunday hunting in Maine? Um, because it doesn't apply to me. I don't care. Or you're just tired of listening to us talk about it. Um, but first of all, we have a personal connection there with Aaron, one of the folks that, that helps us out and does a bunch of our fundraising stuff for us and works for us is from Maine. And I think it's a little bit more interesting because Aaron and I, it's kind of like, I think I can speak for you, Alaska, that you're with me on the folks should be able to hunt in Maine thing. 100%. Well, then Robbie's like 50-50 wishy-washy, and then Aaron supports the band for, for some good reasons. She's not, she's not a... Uh, yeah, I was shocked when I was doing, so I get I get early access to all these episodes because I'm the one producing them, you know? Um, so I was actually shocked when I was doing her episode <laughs> that uh, to hear her say that she, I, I actually rewinded and was getting ready to just ask you guys if like she needed to re-record that when I got to that section, you know. 
um, because I was so surprised that she was saying that she was for it. And then you asked the clarifying question, and she and she said, "No, I'm yes, I'm for the ban." And I was like, "Oh, okay, so maybe she didn't misspeak." Get this. We need a if you if you want to put some sound effects in, we need a dun 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 right here because we got anonymously. This person did not give us their name, but they sent us a story from a magazine called Inland Fish and Wildlife in 1984. Okay. Okay. And it details out the people and the parts of the original group that got together to ban Sunday hunting in Maine and pretty much lays out that their motivation was that's that it was a it was a uh, wealthy group of sportsmen who got together to bring this together and support this and have backed it according to this 1984 article continued to back it that at that time the immigrants working in the sawmills big which is a lot of people in Maine right like Right. Working in sawmills in Kansas, there's like seven people in Kansas doing that. In Maine, in 1894, there was probably thousands, the way they were logging up there. They only got Sunday off, and these people didn't want them taking their deer. Oh, my God. There's a We got an actual photo picture of the article from 1984 the Inland Fish and Wildlife magazine in Maine details out the folks behind this making a plan so that the immigrants working in the sawmills couldn't hunt their deer. And the only day they got off from the sawmills was Sunday. We got oh. us a, we got us a full-blown 130-year-old conspiracy happening right here. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, like like many things, you know, it started as a way to um to, you know, just kind this whole like class warfare thing that's been going on for, you know, as long as people have been alive. People seem to think it's new for some strange reason, it's not. But um I think it's I do think it's hilarious that um that that started as now while times have changed and things are different now and a lot of people have more than just Sunday off. Um, I, I do think though that it highlights a, you know, an issue that like, that your, your average kind of working guy, you know, isn't going to have enough days off to hunt if all he can hunt is Saturday. So, you know, it just, just, I, the more things change, the more they stay the same, right? That's still probably a limiting factor for working class sportsmen, in my humble opinion, in, yeah. uh, in Maine, but um, it's just not as bad as it was, you know? Yeah, I agree. Okay. I, I genuinely feel like people are <coughs> cussing us for staying on the Maine Sunday hunting thing too long. We did get another text from Dave in Wisconsin. Dave, appreciate you. Sends us a text on a, on a fairly regular basis. He brings up an interesting kind of discussion point here. He was listening to the Doug Duran episode. Um. Doug Duran, if it, it's a really interesting episode of our podcast, if you haven't, Doug is uh, Doug managed as one of the most, in my opinion, one of the most intensely managed for wildlife and ecosystem farms in the United States. It's just his private farm, but he does a lot of consulting work. Um, doesn't doesn't really manage for horns, right? Like some guys manage their whitetail properties for horns which is fine. I got no judgment there, but Doug kind of does it for an overall ecosystem health. Um, very intelligent guy, very passionate guy. Um, it's been on a couple of blood origins episodes. Now, if you get a chance to listen to the Doug Duran episode, do it. Um, but Dave from Wisconsin, who it seems like maybe has been to Doug's farm. Doug does do some limited tours of his farm. He talks about driving around in Wisconsin and seeing that there are multiple adjacent landowners who are working together to manage for whitetails, um, which is a cool thing, right? I've managed properties for whitetails in Kansas. Um, 
and I was, I was an outfitter at the time. So I was, I mean, horns was definitely a part of our management. You know, we wanted to, we, we were working towards getting large, mature males on the property. Um, and then, you know, you'd see that deer completely legally harvested by your neighbor. And it does get frustrating when, when they, they harvest a two-year-old that you're thinking, man, in two years, three years, that's going to be a phenomenal deer. So he talks about seeing adjacent property owners working together for whitetails and asked the question, what if that was started for predators? What if, do you think there's anywhere in the country where scientific partnership, like scientific data, good biology, biological management of predators is being done in a systematic way like like folks do so much with whitetails. Yeah, I I think it's an interesting concept. I don't know anybody who's outright doing it, right? You can make the argument that fish and wildlife agencies across the country are doing just that. And a lot of clubs are, right? Um, hunting clubs and whatnot um, have like coyotes, at least back east they did, uh, um, where, you know, you're going after predators and stuff like that. A lot of times they'll also, you know, give discounts to trappers on memberships um, so they can run their trap lines there and maybe get a couple deer there um, while making the um, the property overall better for everybody, you know, but you're still talking about much smaller um, tracts of land than, than Doug and his, you know, um, compatriots are, are managing. So it's really an interesting concept. Yeah, I agree. It's something that's something that folks ought to start looking at. We got another text from uh, Josh in Tennessee who, Josh, if you listen to this, man, I love your text, but you hold, you are the king of the longest text messages ever written in the history of mankind. I love them. I'm not, I'm not really poking fun. Josh will start a text message and cover comments from four episodes in one text message. Um, he talks about Doug too, really likes Doug's cooperative. So Doug Duran is has a nonprofit with the concept being if you're a hunter, he gives you the skills to manage a piece of property. He gives you like a manual on and, and he'll even come in and do private consultations on managing a piece of property in exchange for access. So like if Alaska owned 200 acres in Wisconsin that I wanted to hunt for deer, I would come in and start managing that property for wildlife and ecosystem health in exchange for being able to deer hunt on it or pheasant hunted on it. Um, I don't know how much traction that gets. I wish Doug all the luck in the world because I think it's another great way for us to have an added amount of conservation combined with an added amount of access for hunters seems like a win-win it'd be interesting to see how that rolls out but another thing that josh from tennessee talked about was copper robbie did a uh an episode kind of a what's going to happen with lead in hunting bullets episode right um and josh has has switched to copper um in his in his uh large rifles and uh goes on to talk about how he's having great luck with it um, I'll throw out that he mentions Barnes bullets there because I know Barnes is working hard on that kind of technology and we appreciate it. What, what's what's your thoughts on let's have a uh, lead ammo conversation without Robbie, Alaska. What's your thoughts on it? <laughs> uh, I'm 100 percent pro lead ammo. Um, I think, you know, we've been using it for a long time. I also think, um, look, I'm not a scientist. Right. So um you know, take this with a grain of salt, but I, I tend to take the same tract as a lot of guys that, um, that eagles can't just be eating hunted carcasses, you know, like I just, I don't think there's enough hunters and, and killed deer for them to just be eating that stuff. That's the, or for that to be the main source of them getting, um, getting led, um, in their system. And, you know, I mean, there was a couple things that, you know, have been brought up like, um, 
like that, for instance, I mean, lead fishing weights, um, but also, you know, just from a practicality standpoint, um, what are we going to replace this stuff with? Right. So like, I mean, tungsten, copper, I just, I haven't seen any like personally, um, any, you know, any demonstrations or anything of any of that stuff that would make me, um, want to use the copper or any of the, any of the currently, um, on the market, uh, alternatives to lead. Right. And you can call that stuff if you want, you know, um, but it's just, it's, that's the way it is, you know, uh, as a, as a sportsman, I want to use the best tool for the job, you know, and everything from, you know, tungsten fishing weights to copper bullets. I just haven't really been impressed with. Well, here, okay. So you ready for my diatribe on this deal? I'm ready for it. I think both sides are, both sides are exaggerating data and convoluting data with their opinion to win the argument. Right. I think it's honestly, I think most arguments in, in that have sides are like this. I agree with you. I don't think that lead has near the effect that we get pounded with it on wildlife. Right. Um, Right. I also will tell you that as a waterfowler, things like bismuth outperform lead and are non-toxic. Um, then I'll flip my hat around again and tell you bismuth is eight, nine, ten times as expensive as lead. Exactly. And, and that's really the big the big issue. You know what I mean? Like, again, we're talking about working class sportsmen, which make up, you know, a huge uh, amount of the people who are who are hunters. And I, I truly don't believe hunting should just be for rich people. You know, like that's just. No, God's I, I don't either. And I think that when folks start really exaggerating the the effects of lead, first of all, I want to do the same thing you did. I'm not a scientist. I don't know if they're exaggerating. I just feel like they are. I'm not saying it doesn't, you know, I think if, uh, no doubt lead in bloodstreams of living beings, whether they're humans or animals at certain, at, at, at when you get to a certain level is unhealthy. That's true, right? That's science. We know that. Sure. Um, but I think it's, uh, I really think that I hope that they continue to work. I think it would be awesome if somebody came up with a thing that functioned like lead or better was the same price as lead or cheaper. And we didn't have to invade a third world country to take it out of the ground from them. Um, and if that was the case, I think we should switch. I think everyone should be, should switch then because there is no doubt that if you've had the same duck pond in your family for 55 generations, I exaggerated, I, should, I shouldn't exaggerate, for five generations, and it gets hunted five, six days a year during duck season, I think you probably do have some lead buildup in that pond, right? Um, and it would be better. But I, I, I wish that in all these arguments, we would just deal with the facts out in front of us. Right. Because we get there, there are guys that will say, oh, lead doesn't hurt anything. Well, that's not true. Right. If an eagle does, in fact, happen to go and eat two deer carcasses that were each shot three times and weren't recovered and none of the bullets were taken and he happens to eat all five of the bullets or six of the bullets, I could see where that's an actual problem. Right. That's real. Right. Um. And whatever, an eagle or a, a bobcat or anything that would eat that meat. Um, and if you have a lake that has 3,000 fishermen on it a week and has for 80 years and they're all losing quarter-ounce lead, 10 quarter-ounce lead, you know, you know what I mean? Like, right. and, but I don't think it's the catastrophe that it is. I also don't think that it's as hard for sportsmen to switch as some folks think it is. You know what I mean? I mean, it's a, it feels like we ought to be coming together a little bit more on this one instead of digging in and be like, I'll never use anything but lead. 
or you're an asshole if you ever shoot any lead, right? Like there's, there's, it, it's not that, uh, to me, it's like the electric car argument kind of, right? Like saying that I refuse to ever drive an electric car because of is, it's an irrational statement. It is like they're it, as they get better and it seems better and they, they may just be better someday. But also saying you're an asshole for not driving an electric car is just as stupid as a statement right now. Right there. There's oh, yeah. there's extremist extremist uh, boneheads on every side of the argument. Um, I like the episode that Robbie did. Those folks seemed, uh, you know, a little. A, a little more middle of the road of let's keep working on good options. And hopefully someday we find an option that performs like lead and, and is the same price or cheaper than lead and is completely non-toxic. That would be phenomenal. We can dream. At least we can dream. Yeah. Yeah. Here you go. I knew you're going to get <laughs> on me. Um, <laughs> What 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 do you got that uh, that's really it for text messages? We had a couple of others, but sometimes sometimes folks just uh, sometimes folks just chat. Ah, oh, that's not true. Hold on, I got one more text message I want to cover. It's from Matt in Kentucky. Matt sent uh, we Robbie did a. Uh, and now I forgot the folks' names, which is going to make me seem like the folks from Hunters of Color. Um, and we took we took some. Uh, this is the same argument. This is the same argument as my lead shot and electric cars argument that I just made. We took some flack on it, right? Here's Matt's text. I saw the Instagram post on Hunters on the Hunters of Color episode was getting some flack. Um. He just wanted to say, um, he says F him. I don't know. I'm not sure if I'm supposed to tell people that or not, but I just wanted to say F him and keep doing what you're doing. Seriously, there are very few podcasts willing to do what y'all do, and I truly appreciate the discussions that you have. Here's, here's what I mean by it's the same argument. I don't think those folks from Hunters of Color are virtue signalers, right? Like, I think... In my opinion, those folks are just good folks who are trying to provide a comfortable place for people who may be less likely to have someone in their family or community that, that might take them hunting and get them started. That being said, I think there are some people in the world and even in the hunting community who create these exclusive groups of anything, right? I, I, I don't, I don't want to attack anyone individually, but there are people who pre create these hoity-toity groups of, let's pick on public land guys. There's, there's a few folks out there that are creating these public land hunter groups. And some of them like look down on everyone else and bash, right? They're virtue signaling if you're not one of us. You know what right. I'm saying? Oh, yeah. I've, I mean, I see those guys all the time, you know? Um, and yeah, you see them online and stuff. Oh, was it public? And it's like, dude, what do you care, man? <laughs> like, it wasn't high fence. Um, and even if it was high fence, you know, like, it, again, who cares? It's none of your business, you know? How do you have time? That's always my thought process. Like, how do you have time to go and attack all these people who do things differently? Than oh, you? Social media makes it easy because the more those people comment on that stuff, the more of that stuff is going to pop up in their feed. And it's just a it's just a sound box for rage. Um, I mean, this is why Facebook keeps getting in trouble is because they they like they they because they want their algorithm. um actively prioritizes like what you interact with and what you what you comment on and stuff and then i so i tell i used to tell working in politics i see this all the time um and i i used to tell friends that like you know were like either super super anti-biden or super anti-trump they're like all i see is trump stuff on my feed and i'm like that's because you comment on it 
if you stopped commenting on that stuff and even just reported one or two of those posts and said, I don't want to see this, you wouldn't see it anymore on your on your social media feed and you'd be a lot happier. Like the only stuff I see is hunting and fishing content on my social media. And that's because I'm very um, I'm very selective about what I comment on, you know. That's exactly why, and a lot of people in our community, man, a lot of people in the hunting and shooting community don't want to hear this. I don't like Facebook, okay? And I'm not defending Facebook, and their censorship stuff um, definitely needs some work, okay? But the stuff that's being put on your feed is your fault, right? If you did just a little bit of work or... What if every once in a while you responded to and commented on things that made you happy instead of things that made you mad? That's what's happening in in social media. I'm a firm believer that the angst, anxiety, and, and outrage that people get from their social media feed is way more their fault than they're willing to admit. Oh yeah, I mean, and they don't even realize it. A lot of people don't know how the algorithms work, so they're so they're misusing them, you know. So, like, if I'm looking on the search function of my of my Instagram feed right now, not a lick of things in politics. I see um, these anime gifts that I send to my girlfriend all the time. I see a shitload of fish. I see a bunch of huskies because I have a husky who you can probably hear wrestling with my girlfriend's lab in the background. And I I see a bunch of hunting content. That is all the stuff that is on my on my Instagram feed. If I look into the search function, yeah, it's a yeah. If 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 you work social media right, folks, there is actually some cool aspects to it. If you let it take you down the dark evil rabbit hole, it will compound the dark evil rabbit hole on you. It's uh it's some of that angst you get from it if you're out there mad at the world because of your social media feed is uh it's your doing. Not a defense of any of those folks. I don't like any of them and I definitely don't like their censorship stuff, but the stuff that's being their their algorithms actually work pretty well. Click on stuff that you like and makes you makes you happy sometimes, and your social media feed will will uh, exaggerate that for you. Well, and this goes back to what Robbie said about um, you know how like sportsmen don't like comment and say like awesome, I love this, blah blah blah, right? Like he's said this a couple times where it's really tough to get a sportsman to like share you know not just our content but like the the royal hour of like pro hunting organizations content right um and the the less that they interact with that stuff the less they comment on it and stuff the less of that they're going to see you know yeah absolutely it's uh it's uh yeah if if you work at it a little bit uh and whatever it's not all good and people that get off of it i applaud them and but uh, you can't make it better if you just stop uh, going down rabbit holes. What articles you got today, man? All right. So I got a couple. Um, got some very ballsy poachers. So uh, this one is three men arrested for illegally hunting deer out of season and on private property. Um, this is uh, in, um, uh, in um, Collier yeah. County. Um, Florida, uh, which is up there on the on the panhandle. Um, and I just I picked this one because I know we like to beat up on poachers uh, who are worthy of being beat up on. But um, but it was also just like this. They did just about everything you can do wrong from a from a poaching standpoint. I mean, it wasn't just like. It wasn't just at a season. It wasn't just, you know, um, just trespassing. Like, they, these guys were, like, committed. And I, I was shocked, honestly. Yeah, like, they were trespassing, <laughs> killing deer at a season and on someone else's property. Like, that's just, I mean, beyond the pale. <clears throat> yeah, you'd like to, uh, 
know the backstory on that. There was, there was definitely some sort of a, either complete disregard or a fairly serious uh, motivation there for them to. Uh, I mean, I know meat's expensive, but damn, you know. It's not uh-huh. near as expensive as those fines are going to be. Oh, no, not at all. Not even remotely close to what those fines are going to be. And so, okay, let's let's uh, let's analyze this a little bit. Because I said I wonder what the backstory was. Someone might come back and say to us, as we're kind of uh, poking fun and attacking these guys, right? What if they just needed, like, what if they were actually that destitute? It's possible, right? Like, what if they didn't have any money to feed themselves? What's your response to that? Uh, I just don't believe it in how uh, things work today. Like, in, in, in Florida, in America, you know, like, I just, I have a hard time believing that they were destitute enough that they needed to poach um, three deer out of season, right? Like. I I think that they like you have how how long is the hunting season in Florida, you know? You have um all that time to to um to harvest deer during the legal season. You have multiple species that you can hunt. Um you know, I think you also have a number of in-season things all year round in Florida, things like pigs and um, and, um, I, I think even gators are, are on private property if you have permission, like, um, an all year round thing. Um, it, it, there's just no way that they were destitute enough that they destitute enough that they had to shoot deer on the, which were out of season on property that they didn't own. Like it would be one thing if they went out. It would even be one thing if, if for, for that argument if they went out on public land, you know, and were trying to poach deer. But like trespassing on someone's property for that, there's just nobody in America, and this is a credit to America, nobody in America is that destitute. Right, right. I, I've said multiple times, I always clarify it with if you're. If, if, if you're mentally and psychologically stable and you starve to death in the United States, it's of your own doing, right? Right. Like, I live in a, in a county that has less than 30,000 people in it, and there's four public access free food banks or soup kitchen facilities there, right? Like, I could actually, and I'm not... I'm not wealthy, but I also can afford my groceries. Um, I could eat for free every meal if I wanted to, because the, the, there's 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 so many soup kitchens that they don't even ask questions if you go and need a meal. Um, also, right. I would argue these guys had a shotgun and a 22 rifle confiscated for them. A functioning shotgun and a functioning 22 rifle, no matter what model, brand, or make will buy your family's groceries for a month from the from the gun shop that you sold them at or the pawn store that you pawn them at, right? Like, right. it's not, it's not, it was not a legitimate argument I brought up. I just said when I'd like to know their backstory, then my brain went, huh, what if they had a situation that we shouldn't be dogging on them? That situation doesn't exist. You're, there's no, uh, there's no reason for you to illegally poach deer for food you you can't be that destitute again in the united states as a clarification definitely places in the world that you can but not in the united states no sir uh so we also got uh just kind of an update on the um pa uh sunday hunting um for all you mainers out there we're talking about someone else's sunday hunting season now um so PA finally announced the the dates for Sunday hunting for this year. So hunters can go out on November 13th, 20th, and 27th this year. Um, on Sundays, it's illegal to hunt except for foxes, crows, and coyotes. See, this is... All right, somebody text me. By the way, you can comment or text. You can... Co- 
comment by text to us about anything we're discussing here. Send a text to 620-860-4804. I think we started putting it in the show notes too, haven't we? If you missed it here. Um, Yes. But here's what came – here's what pops out to me at this article. (laughs) All right. This is where the – Idiot, idiot, the idiocracy of bureaucracy right here, okay? Someone could sit down and make an argument to me, some folks in Maine did, that made me listen and contemplate about a complete ban on hunting on one day of the week. I thought, okay, I still disagree, but I think you're making a reasonable argument. But not, not... When it's just certain species, like why can you still shoot foxes, crows, and coyotes on Sundays in in Pennsylvania? I'm glad that you can, Pennsylvania folks. I'm not against you being able to shoot foxes, crows, and coyotes on Sundays. But why can't you shoot the other stuff on Sundays? What's the logic behind that, Alaska? Well, I mean, I think the logic behind it is that uh, the advocacy organizations who were who were pushing the Sunday hunting thing needed a like it's about incrementalism, right? The same way that like anti-hunters um, chip away at our rights by you know first they want to ban something fluffy and then they and then they go after more and more things, you know. Um, it's the same way if we want to expand hunting rights, you know, like no, like a lot of these places aren't going to want, or a lot of these legislators aren't going to want to take the bold stance of going full tilt right off the bat, right? Um, so instead, it's better to, you know, to start small and then, you know, and then in a year or two say, okay, we need to expand Sunday hunting with, you know, um, with an expansion to deer, blah, 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 you know? Yeah, I get why it happened. You're you're right. That's the why. But I just don't understand the logic. Like, I want to be a fly on the wall in the meeting whenever it was. And it may have been, for all I know, it was 80 years ago. That someone was like, hey, we're not going to hunt on Sundays. And some guy went, but what if I got a fox getting into my chicken coop? And so they were like, okay, you can hunt foxes on Sundays. And then another guy was like, hey, I've got crows eating my watermelons. And they're like, oh, okay, you can hunt crows. Like the, the, the logic of it or the science behind it, it, to me, it's just bureaucrats sitting in a room playing games with things. That if I can go out and shoot coyotes on Sunday, I ought to be able to go shoot a deer on Sunday during deer season as well. That's the part that blows my mind. Right. And, you know, you see a lot of, like, differences, you know, between them, right? So, like, uh, between the restrictions that they put on Sunday hunting with this big push for Sunday hunting in states, right? So, like, Pennsylvania has those restrictions. New Jersey, right across the river, you can Sunday hunt but only on private property and with with a bow, um, which you can use all season, you know? Um, so, like, I mean, those are two neighboring states with vastly different, you know... Um, oh, and you can't shoot turkeys, but you can shoot deer. I believe you can shoot predators. Um, only if they're in season, of course. But, yeah, it's... I mean, it's bananas, you know? Um also crows, right? Uh, listeners, I would love to hear a comment if if you shoot any crows, right? Because I feel like that is one of the most underutilized resources that we have. Nobody talks about hunting crows. Um, and I just like to, I honestly, I'm going, getting ready to pitch you guys on doing a, doing an episode about hunting crows. What's Somebody who does it, you know. Oh, I can actually. Uh, we can name it Counting Crows. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's excellent. I can contribute to that if you uh, if you Google crow hunting Hutchinson, Kansas, um, which is the town that I was born in and raised in. 
um, you will soon find that there are, in fact, some people that moved. And I'm talking. Uh, I don't want to. I don't want to, uh, in a politically incorrect way, typecast crow hunters. Um, I do think. I, I believe that it's safe to say that nowadays, if you found out that someone was an avid crow hunter you wouldn't lump them into a gentleman hunter bucket. Is that a fair thing to say without sounding like That's I'm fair. attacking someone? You can yeah, Google crow bad. hunting at Hutchinson Kings, and you will find that there are there there's people, including Bob the Crowman Aronson, who moved to Hutchinson, Kansas from the East Coast, was a very successful businessman, and moved here just to hunt crows. Uprooted his family and moved here. We had the, at one time, we all said, I don't have any idea if this is true, we all said we had the largest crow roost in the world. Not claiming that's true, but there used to be literally millions of crows that came through and roosted up, and, uh, and it was the crow hunting mecca. So we could absolutely oh now Aronson 69 is the keeper of the crow museum in the basement of his Hutchinson home. You, you thought I was making it up, didn't you? <laughs> I Google, I Googled it while you were talking. Uh, <laughs> there it is. I'm including this article in the show notes, by the way. I, um, have, but... I have in fact shot crows with Bob, the crow man, Aronson. Oh my God. Um, so Robbie, when you listen to this, I'm going to let you listen to it, uh, before, uh, before pitching it to you. I really want to do an episode with, with Bob, the Crowman Aronson, because yeah. uh, that has to be a wildly interesting story. Oh, and uh, he is a, uh, Bob's a good, Bob's a good human being. I got zero negative to say about Bob. Like you imagine, like for for you, Alaska, and for anyone listening to this, imagine the person in your mind that is the most passionate niche hunter. Here's what I mean: like that that guy out there that he only hunts mountain grouse, right? Right. Because some kind of purist, and in his mind, there is absolutely nothing weird about the fact that he'll not pheasant hunt deer hunt duck hunt he just hunts mountain grouse right well i right. made he all that hunt grouse in like a lowland he he only goes up mountains to get right. him right exactly there's that there there's people out there like that and a lot of us know that person right that person pales in comparison to how seriously bob takes hunting crows bob That's amazing Bob has been in on multiple continents hunting crows and uh yeah, I'm about it, man. And now I'm all excited about doing the uh Blood Origins crow hunting episode. Yeah, you guys should even do a video of it. Yeah. Um, that that would be that would be interesting, I think. Yeah. I mean, we'll uh try to chase Bob the crow man down. All right, man. I think this is our last. Uh, this is gonna be our last. Uh, when the cats away, the mice play episode. Robbie's back. Robbie is back. Um, well, uh, we're glad to have him back, our fearless leader. Yeah, but the roundups will get all organized and and. Uh, no more wild west on the roundups. That's yeah, for sure. That's for sure. no more. No more. Hey, what should we do today? Type roundups. So for those of you that enjoyed them the three of you that enjoyed the the roundups with uh, Robbie away we're sorry they're over and for the probably way more people that are ready for Robbie to be back this is our last one he'll be back next week so thanks for riding it out with us shoot us an email or a text if you got anything to say you can email us at info at bloodorigins.com or send us a text at 620-860-4804. What else you got? Wrap it up, Alaska. Nothing on my end. Um, thanks for thanks for listening to, uh, to everybody who did listen. Um, 
and uh, it's been it's been fun discussing you know my uh, my village rescue husky and my um, and my pet peacock with you guys. Yeah, yeah, exactly. How's the, how's the what's the <coughs> Waylon? The Waylon is his name. Yes. How's he um, doing? He's good. He's good. I'm actually getting ready to go out of town, so um, I'm I'm going to try and get my girlfriend to watch him for me. Um, and, um, and then my, uh, my dog who is, you know, my best, best little buddy over here. He's sitting next to me right now. Um, is is Waylon still in the house? Yeah, he's still in the house. He'll be in the house for another couple weeks till he's fully feathered. And then we'll be migrating him outside. Um, I'm actually going to build him a tree house in one of the, in one of the, uh, um, trees in my front yard so that he can roost up high. Okay, I gotta ask. Do you just have? Do peacocks have accidents in the house when they're living in the house? No, he kind of hangs out in a. I mean, occasionally he has one. Um, and I also walk him when I'm walking my dog, so he'll sit up on my shoulder and walk around the neighborhood with me. Um, so um, he has shit on my shoulder once or twice, <laughs> but uh, he does. But most of the time, he hangs out in his little in his little cage. Um, and or roosting on top of the cage, um, and, you know, just kind of, he, I mean, he, he does a pretty good job of keeping it in the cage, if you will. Can a, can a peacock handle the Alaskan winter? Yeah, they can. Um, what I'm going to do is build them, um, as with any other bird, right? Just like chickens or whatever. Um, it's more about like keeping them out of the elements than anything, you know? Um, what I think I'm going to do though is run an extension cord up to his treehouse when I build it, um, to, um, uh, put a heater in there for him, just looking like a ceramic heater. Holy shit. All right. We, I don't want to drag this episode out any longer, but we're probably going to have to have a whole concept about you providing electricity to your peak. We're going to have to have a conversation in the future about <laughs> you providing electricity to your peacock's treehouse. All right. <laughs> will do will do all right man take it easy yep well that's it for today i appreciate you listening as always leave a review share it with your friends and most importantly do what's right to convey the truth around hunting On Mondays, head offshore with Captain Scott Walker and Steve Roger for breathtaking deep sea adventures. Coming to me, coming to me, coming to me. Double. He's jumping, he's jumping, he's jumping. Oh! Oh! Look at that belly. Don't miss Mondays with Into the Blue. Brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern. Tell a few fish stories along the way. On Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. Brave anglers search for the one they call king, but who will take his throne? Tune in to Waypoint TV's Battle for Silver, Saturday, May 18th from 12 to 6 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Abyss Battery, Waypoint TV.